Hey everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so this week on the show, I am joined by Jacob Jewett, who is not only the most newly minted member of Pivot Factory Racing, but is also a passionate freeride skier, a pretty good freeride mountain biker, and just an interesting guy who's got a lot of good stuff to say about his approach to racing, the career path of being a professional freeride skier that he nearly went down, and a whole lot more, including some stuff about the upcoming World Cup season and how the pending rule changes and qualifying changes are going to affect things, his approach to racing and learning about being ultra consistent from Mr. Consistency himself, Troy Brosnan, and a whole lot more. It's a fun conversation, but before we get into it, I want to take just a quick moment to encourage you to check out our Blister Plus Spot membership, which in addition to all of the excellent benefits of Blister membership, including the ability to email me and get a personalized gear recommendation for your next bike or upgrade or suspension setup or whatever else you might need, along with some really good discounts on a ton of great parts and gear, also gets you $25,000 of zero deductible injury insurance to cover you if you were doing a lengthy list of outdoor activities, including mountain biking, skiing, running, gravel biking, and a whole lot more. The list is in the link in the show notes, and we think this is a really important one, both because it has some great potential to save you a lot of money in the event of a serious accident, but as I talk about in my story about how spot could have saved me also in the show notes it has the potential to really help with little things like for example you hurt yourself you have what seems like it's probably a sprained ankle and you kind of figure this is going to heal up on its own i'm not going to go to the doctor with spot you don't have to have that kind of cost benefit analysis because they're again for the in activities that are covered you have a zero deductible on the policy with twenty five thousand dollars of coverage per incident so check out our Blister Plus Spot membership and save yourself a whole lot of money next time you get wrecked. And with that, let's get right to my conversation with Jacob Jewett. Well, Jacob, great to have you on. Thanks for taking the time to chat. How are you today and where are you today? Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm just in uh, at home in Squamish, BC, just uh, hanging out. Right on. Well, kind of seems like a good time to have you on in the off season here. You've of course just made the move over to pivot factory racing for next year and wrapped up your first season racing as an elite last year. And so kind of wanted to chat about how all that's going and what's new. So I guess just, yeah, first off, congrats on joining pivot and that move seems cool for a bunch of reasons. Not the least of which is that getting to, race alongside your brother now uh, with him on the junior team and just seems like a fun group of folks too. I mean, we've had a few of the members on before Ed Masters been on a couple times and Emily Siegenthaler has been here. So how's everything going, getting acquainted with the new team and new bikes and all that going? Yeah, no, I'm super stoked. It's uh really good people at pivot i got to go down to arizona in december and get to meet everyone which was super cool like just joining a couple weeks before that so um 
yeah, already getting to meet everyone and get to hang out with everyone before like the season's even really started was uh was super good. And then yeah, of course, uh being alongside my brother now is pretty cool. Um yeah, I think it will be I think twenty twenty three will be a good year. Yeah, looking forward to seeing it. And I guess just to sort of chat about your twenty twenty two season a little bit, it was like I said, it was your first year racing as an elite and having moved up from juniors and uh how did it go making that step up yeah it was uh it was tough first year elite i think is probably one of the tougher years you'll have racing for sure um so i didn't really have too big of expectations i just wanted to be healthy um consistent and get through the season keep uh keep learning but overall i was uh i was pretty happy with it um I had a couple, I was within the top 30 a couple times and, um, I feel like I still had like quite a few, I had quite a few mechanicals and kind of things that took me out too throughout the season. So like riding wise, I was super stoked with how I was riding and, um, yeah, overall it was, it was a good year to be healthy and finish, finish on a high. Yeah. That sort of touches on one thing I wanted to ask about was sort of how you, approach setting expectations or goals for an upcoming season and i mean obviously the jump up to elite kind of makes a pretty big change in how you're looking at things i would imagine but uh going into a given year kind of what are you looking at as far as how to think about where you are and where you want to wind up and setting goals for a season and all that kind of stuff yeah going into elite is definitely kind of a, a reset and how you think because I mean for most of the time growing up as a kid racing you're always within like a year or two of you know age group racing so you kind of always have a pretty good idea of how you're going to stack up and so it's not too whole too hard to set like a pretty um, realistic goal I think and so going into elite last year I guess now um I didn't, I didn't have too many goals to be honest, cause I just wanted to kind of see how things went. Um, I think I started setting goals a bit more like halfway through the season once I kind of knew how I stacked up, I guess. Um, and yeah, that was to be like in, in the top 30 and like, I mean, ideally top 20, I think if I have a good run, but, um, yeah, it was kind of just a year of trying to keep learning and be healthy. And I think going into net this year now is, uh, yeah to be with the new rules and everything. I think I just want to be consistently in, in the, in the final show and yeah, giving it my best. Yeah. We'll go a little more into the new rules stuff in a little bit here, but I guess I'd be curious to hear some more about, was there anything about stepping up to elite that surprised you as far as the ways it was different from racing as a junior? Was it kind of as, as expected on that front? Anything that stood out there? Yeah, just kind of more, I guess, more eyes, more attention. Um, you know, you're practicing with, with literally the best guys in the world, so uh, which is cool and also scary at times. Um, but yeah, you just got to get, it takes a bit of time to get used to. But um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, I tried to keep it kind of the same as always, just another race. Tell us more about that. I mean, what's your general approach to a race weekend look like and how are you prepping for race day what are your kind of general goals for practice and track walks and all that kind of stuff how do you go about getting yourself ready yeah uh i mean working with ken in the past 
couple of years. Um, Fabian Burrell, who's kind of, I guess, mentored that team. Um, he's super big on, I mean, getting down to the details of the track and uh, especially in practice and track walk. So we did, uh, I've worked a lot on visualizing and uh, a lot of prep, like off, off the bike, a lot of mental stuff. Um, but honestly, just I've tried to learn as much as I can from Troy and Mark and all those guys on that team. Um, but nothing's nothing's really out of the ordinary. A lot of a lot of rest, a lot a couple of spins throughout the week to keep the body healthy, and yeah, just trying to see what those guys do and take uh, take from it. Fair enough. And does sort of the move to a practice with the elites and all that kind of stuff change the whole kind of way a race weekend feels much, or is it sort of just largely the same deal, just at a bigger scale and with more eyeballs on it? Yeah, it's more so the same. It's actually, I actually liked it a lot better this year because I got to be in a, a practice. I got to actually practice with Troy and my teammates so that I could actually, I mean, more, spend more time with them and actually bounce more ideas off them. Um, being a junior, being in B practice, it's, it's quite hard when everyone else is in the elite ranks because you're kind of on your own, riding by yourself most of the day. And uh, no, so this year was, I found it a lot nicer um, being able to actually practice with those guys. Yeah, I, I can imagine that would help, particularly if you're kind of on a team where you don't have other juniors around and aren't getting to have that team support and as many other folks around to just ride with and bounce ideas off and all that kind of stuff. And so... For the 2022 year, I mean, were there any particular results that you were especially proud of? Any standout moments of things that went well or went poorly or just favorite races from the season? Anything that jumps out at you there? I mean, my middle to my middle part of the season to the end was like a pretty good steady like ramp up. Um, I was pretty stoked to get like my first top 30 this year at a snowshoe World Cup because that was... I've honestly probably never been so scared to drop in for a race. Um, it was the conditions were super gnarly and, uh, yeah, it was, a it was a high stress weekend, but, um, I was super stoked to, to just make it down and get a good result. And, um, and then going into Montanan afterwards, I unfortunately had a, a flat in college there, so I didn't make the cut, but, um, that was, again, I felt like, I felt like that probably could have been one of my best results. I was, I mean, it was in my home country, so I was pretty stoked on that. But the track was also, I was loving it. It was so fun. Um, I remember going back, I went and watched that race uh, 2010. So I would have been a, would have been quite young. But I've watched uh, World Champs there as a Grom. So it was pretty cool to be back there like 10 years later and actually get to race. So, um, yeah, and then later in the year, I uh, vowed a quali again, another top, top 30 quality. I was pretty stoked on that. And then I had, I ended up dropping in the torrential downpour in that race. So I got kind of ripped off there, but no, I was from middle season onward. I was really stoked with my ride. And I feel like I, uh, had some good results in me for sure. Yeah. And when you sort of talk about the middle part of the season onward, feeling like where things started to click, is there anything that stands out to you as being the thing that came together to start feeling like you were riding the way you wanted to or what changed to make that step forward happen? Yeah, it was just, um, 
slowly building the confidence because I didn't actually get to go to the first two World Cups this year as the team decided to hold me back. So I think I was a bit, I guess you could say, a step behind everyone. So it just took, I think it was, you know, the start of my season was almost the middle of everyone else's season, right? So, um, yeah, I think it was just, uh, I was just a bit behind on the, the whole race situation. Yeah, that makes sense. Just needing a little more time to get up to speed and ramp up. And I guess along those lines, I mean, what is your off season look like kind of what are you doing to get either a break and reset or stay fresh on the bike and what do you kind of feel like you need to do in order to start getting ready for next year and how are you going about all that yeah so i like i like to take honestly all of december off the bike i like i love to ski and um yeah, so I don't. I definitely don't touch the bike throughout December. I just ski as much as I can, unless unless the skiing's terrible, then I'll I'll probably go back to biking. But um, no, I I definitely like to take a break as a. I don't know. It's just refreshing, at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So I ski a bunch in the winter, and then I'll probably as the riding's starting to open up now, I'll start to get back on the bike. Um, a couple times throughout the week, as long and I mean throughout this whole time, I stay I stay with the gym um lots of spins indoors as the weather's not super nice here in Squamish this time of year and uh I'm planning on hanging out to New Zealand in February to meet up with the rest of the team there so um yeah I think head out in February and stay until March for the crankworks there so that would be uh that'd be super fun yeah that sounds like a pretty good time and for the off-season riding I mean how much are you actually on a DH bike versus trail bike or dirt bike and kind of doing more pedaling what what's that breakdown look like yeah like this time of year i mainly just stick to pedaling um our shuttles trails usually don't because they're so high up they usually don't open up until like late february march anyway um yeah so a lot of i ride my enduro bike a bunch like a couple times a week for sure um that's the thing too i like to i like to ride all bikes i uh, i think it's great great for all skill set for and they all translate to downhill quite well i think yeah so riding duro bike a bunch and uh downhill once it gets closer to season all uh a couple times a week for sure if not in squamish we go to head over to cyprus down vancouver and then obviously you've heard of probably prevo on the island where steve smith and mark wallace ride so yeah there's loads of good spots to ride downhill once the once the snow melts off here yeah it makes sense and i just sort of find it interesting talking to folks kind of the ways in which approaches vary on that. I mean, you just, you have people who really want to be as dialed in on the big bike as they can and trying to get really maximized time on that versus sort of what you've just said of like, you know, enduro bike carries over pretty well. It's all kind of the same skill set. And I guess, how do you think about like bike setup across the different types of bikes and are there ways in which you're sort of, tweaking your enduro bike setup to make it a little more similar to the dh bike and kind of minimize the transitions jumping back and forth or you go pretty smoothly on that and not have to stress about that too much yeah no definitely i like to have my trail bike and demo bike set up pretty similar um especially like cockpit wise same same kind of grips same same brake angle same bar roll same bar length all that kind of stuff so it's um so it doesn't feel crazy different hopping back from 
one another. Um, yeah, and other than that, like, at the end of the day, riding a bike, it's, uh, like, I mean, I haven't touched a bike in, like, a month, and when I hopped on it again yesterday, it didn't really feel like I left. So it's, um, yeah, I I think keeping them pretty close, closely set up can help for sure. But, um, yeah. Yeah, right on. And a minute ago, you mentioned being especially stoked about the Mont Saint-Anne track. How would you sort of describe what goes into making your ideal racetrack and kind of what are you most into what's your favorite stuff i'm a big like my two favorite tracks this year were Montan and leger which makes sense it's both are kind of similar to what i ride at home here it's uh leger was a, a lot like home it was quite uh quite steep loamy um a lot of not a lot of rocks and a lot of roots. So that's kind of what we have here. And Monsonan, uh has a lot of rock, but the dirt is kind of similar to what we have here. Um, that's the thing. Like you go to a lot of these races and it's like, people say like, Oh, it's muddy. You guys like Canadians should do well and all this stuff. But it's like so many of these places have like completely different dirt and it's like not even close to the same as what we ride. So at the end of the day, every track is like completely different when it comes down to the conditions. So, um yeah i think uh those two tracks are definitely my favorite yeah okay and anything on the 2023 calendar that you're particularly looking forward to um i'm pretty excited not i've i'm excited to hopefully have a dry leo gang i'd actually i feel like uh it's a track that i feel like suits me and i've yet to have like a, a run that i'm stoked with there because um, the conditions have been so gnarly there the past couple of years. Um, and I'm also stoked to go back to Andorra. That was also a super fun track. Um, I just hope they can make a couple couple changes and uh, with the feedback they got this year. And yeah, I think I think we're going back to Leger. Um, and so yeah, that should, that's or that's been like one of my favorite places for the past couple of years. So stoked with that. Yeah. Well, and. I guess having just touched on the tweaks to Andorra, maybe a good time Zanny to sort of talk about the rule changes for next year and the change in organizing to discovery ESO and all the rest. I mean, I guess from your perspective, well, one, while we're on the subject of the track changes, how do you feel like the communication has been between the riders and organizers? And do you feel like you have a way to really effectively voice those kind of concerns because there certainly were some <laughs> issues with that track last year but uh how's all that been going yeah i mean i'm i wouldn't say i have like a huge voice in the whole situation guys i'm pretty pretty new to the whole scene but um yeah I'd, i hope uh eso can listen to us riders this next little bit because it's it's or the show, I guess, at the end of the day. So, um, and I think downhill too is like with adding the semi and another race run for each stop next year. I just hope that these tracks don't get more and more dangerous because it's already uh, dangerous enough. I think so. Either I hope um, people slow down a bit and try to stay a bit more consistent, or yeah, these tracks have a bit more options um, in terms of safety. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been one of the things that I've been learning about too with the move to the semifinal and final format. 
And I mean, it does seem like, you know, maybe it does reward consistency a little bit more, which might have people dialing it back and not taking quite as many risks just to keep that consistency going. But on the other hand, you've only got 30 people qualifying for men's elite final now. And so you've kind of got to lay it all out there at some point in order to make the, make the show too. So I guess, I mean, generally speaking, how are you personally feeling about those changes? And have you been talking to other racers and kind of what's the word on how everyone's feeling about all that? Yeah, I'm not against it. Um, but yeah, when you, at the end of the day, when you look at it, like you're going to have to go fast to make it into the final. There's no kind of way around it. Um, I, I think it might suit me. I feel like I'm a pretty clean, consistent rider, but the goal would to be, I mean, able to like ride at like my 90% and hopefully like get in. So to stay consistent and healthy throughout the year. So that's my goal is to, I guess, maybe uh, dial it back a little bit, but in a zone where I feel like I can still make it in. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my uh, my uh, format going into next year or this year. Sure. And have you been chatting with other folks about it? Kind of what's the sort of word on just how everyone else feels feeling about it? Um, I haven't chatted to too many people, just a couple other of my buddies who race um, – on teams on the world cup and uh yeah i think i can't i just have to, i think we just have to wait and see at the end of the day um could be it could work could be great or it might not so i think at the end of the day we'll just have to see and uh yeah see what happens sure i mean here's to hoping it all goes nicely and uh looking forward to watching but you know change can be a little scary and hard to know what'll happen out of it. And so I guess, like you said, we'll have to wait and see to some extent on the note of you just made about kind of aiming to be able to ride at 90% and have that be getting you into the cut. I mean, I'd be curious to have you chat some more about your approach to just racing DH in general and kind of balancing risk versus, when to kind of dial things back and knowing how hard to push when and sort of how you think about all that and how you decide what the right level of kind of hanging things out is when it comes to a given race run. Yeah. I've kind of um, been on the team with Troy the past couple of years and seen how that's how he kind of operates. Like he, you rarely see him like push over his limit and that's why he's so always so good and so consistent. And that's something that I, I want to try to aspire to be like. Um, and I think that just comes down to like practicing, always training and practicing fast, but not put, there's just that limit where you can't push over. And he doesn't, he practices fast and he races fast, but he doesn't go over that limit. And I think that's something that I need to work on, but I think is if you want a successful long career, I think is the way to go. Because, yeah, nobody likes getting hurt. <laughs> no, certainly not. And as far as kind of building speed on a track over the course of a race weekend through practice and qualifying and then ultimately race day, I mean, where are you kind of trying to start? Because it's not like you're taking all that many practice runs generally in a DH race weekend, right? And so sort of I would imagine that your goal is to kind of 
ramp up a bit and peak come finals. But where do you kind of try to start when it comes to the beginning of practice and how do you sort of gauge what the right level of practicing fast is to still have some headroom to kind of build up, but not be going so hard that you're just blowing up in practice and shutting things down early. Yeah. I think I use, I still start like, um, the first lap or two is always still super mellow. I like to look, double check everything after the juniors have been on track and, uh, uh, make sure nothing's changed too much. And then from there, that's like those next three laps that you get, you definitely want to start ramping it up, um, towards the end of the first day of practice. And then on the uh, qualies day, those, those, you usually get two, maybe three laps before qualies and you want those two to three laps to be all, all pretty quick as well to ramp up for qualies. And for the finals, it's the same, same deal. You, you get a lap, hopefully two, if you haven't had a mechanical or some crash or something in the first lap, um, cause the time, time window is pretty tight there. Um, and that's, yeah, that's just carrying on where you left off the day before. Um, you can, I usually take my first lap as a warm up, and then the second lap is, is trying to have a fast, clean one. And I usually don't exert myself too much in practice. Like a good lap is like hitting sections fast and clean. I'm not usually like pedaling in and out of stuff. Um, I usually try to save that. I know I like to um, figure out where I need to shift and do all that stuff, but I'm not uh, I'm not physically exerting myself in those practice runs. And how about the kind of mental side of it? Are you someone who's trying to get yourself fired up for race runs? Are you trying to keep things calm and level and mellow? What's the mental side of it feel like? Um. I'm a pretty calm, mellow dude, so I try to get myself pretty fired up. Um, I typically don't ride like too much over my head, so like getting myself stoked for a race one is usually the best thing I can do. Um, and it's still something I need to work on a bit more, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a guy that needs to get fired up for a race. So how do you go about it? I like to listen. I got like my specific playlist for pre-race. That usually gets me pretty fired up. And then, yeah, just looking at previous, I don't know, I like to look at, like, um, previous photos or videos from this track, like, years previous, maybe, of, like, myself that, I don't know, gets me gets me in the zone and gets me stoked to, to race. Right on. And so, I guess, moving into this upcoming season now, we've talked about some of the rule changes and stuff, but do you have particular goals for 2023 or anything that you're – really specifically targeting as far beyond just like you already said, kind of trying to consistently be qualifying for finals. Yeah. Yeah. My top goal is definitely being that show every time. Um, and from that, I want to be like a top, my goal for next year would be the top 25 overall. Um, I think it's pretty realistic and doable. And I want to, I think I'm more focused on getting a good overall result rather than just focusing on like one, one or two like big results. Um, as I've had a lot of injuries and stuff in the past, I just, my focus these days is just to stay healthy and stay, stay consistent. Cause that's how, uh, that's how you do well. Kind of have to imagine like you sort of touched on already too, having been on the team with Troy, Mr. Consistency, uh, has kind of given you a pretty good template for what that looks like. But 
that makes a bunch of sense. And uh, so I guess you're imagining you'll do full World Cup season, some crankworks maybe, kind of what's in the plans event-wise. Yeah, full, full World Cup season, um, New Zealand crankworks, Innsbruck crankworks, and Whistler crank, crankworks as of right now. And then world champs, national champs, and maybe uh, EWS if it works out. Um, I'm not against it, that's for sure. But um, as of right now, the focus is downhill for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I was actually going to ask about that. I mean, you've got a bunch of teammates now who are doing some juggling of World Cup and EWS. And uh, on some level, maybe it's a little easier to combine them now with the events more localized and the travel constraints get less crazy on the other hand now you've got more racing crammed into a weekend if you're trying to do both and or in short period of time it's all kind of happening more simultaneously in a way so if you were to do a couple ews's are there particular races that you think are most likely or what's your thinking on that uh i'd honestly i couldn't really say it's just if it if i happen to be over in europe or in in the right place, right time, I would, I would do one, but, um, uh, yeah, I can't say specifically which one. I don't know the calendar. Good enough. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Sort of along the same lines to some extent, I'm curious to hear about your kind of thoughts on just where your interest lies in bikes generally. Something that I've found interesting talking to folks on this over the years is that a lot of the, a little bit older racers kind of came up feeling like racing was the way to have a pro career and get noticed and be able to do, you know, be a pro mountain biker. And it seems like the tide's kind of turning on that a little bit. Obviously racing is still one viable Avenue, but you also just have more options to, you know, be a free rider, do a mix of different stuff rather than having to specifically focus on one race discipline and have that be your one way in. And I guess, have you ever been inclined to kind of try to branch out more and do more different stuff and experiment a bit? Or has it just been the case that racing DH is really what kind of captures your imagination and that's where you want to have your focus be for long term? Downhill is definitely still, and I think always will be like my number one priority um, when it comes to training and everything. But I definitely do want to, I think, even at the Crankworks and a couple other events this year, branch out to like maybe doing a couple dual slalom speed and styles. As because, like I like I said, I'd spend quite a bit of time on all bikes, and I feel like, um, I mean, yeah, those are all fun events. Nothing too too serious compared to a world cup so um and i feel like i could i could do good in them and on like i guess like the the media side too now is like um someone like bernard who's obviously killing it in that um I, I i like to be i like to make my own content i have like a a camera that i like to shoot shoot on and um i want to continue to do more stuff of that too as it's something a bit different from racing but just as fun yeah no totally and in some hypothetical world where you just had you know more time and energy and ability to do more different stuff are there other things that you would 
like to be able to try to take on if you know obviously like in the actual world like the more you try to do it's going to at some point start to distract from the primary goal of racing dh but sort of if we imagine those constraints disappear what would be the kind of top of your list of next thing to branch out into trying yeah i don't know uh at the end of the day i just want to be like a well well well-rounded athlete that has like i mean if you're doing more on and off the bike you have more to offer to the brands that you're riding for right so i not outside of racing i would like to be able to offer more than just a result at the end of the day um which i think is cool with the all the social media stuff nowadays and especially the other events like crankworks and stuff um doing well and other than a downhill bike is i think is quite cool as well showing that showcasing that that brand makes um all-around good bikes we'd love to touch on skiing a little bit too saw a few clips on instagram of you recently and uh sure looks like you're pretty solid skier in addition to the biking side of thing. What's your background on skis like and kind of what are you most into on that front? Yeah, I've, uh, I've always skied. I started skiing when I was, I think two years old. Um, my dad was big into ski racing when he grew up and, uh, my mom was always a big skier. That's why they, we both lived in, uh, Whistler. They both moved to Whistler. Um, so yeah, I was just always a part of my family. And, um, me and my brother were always super big into like free ride skiing, which is, I guess for those who don't know, it's kind of like in comparison, like to Rick Rampage on a bike, uh, kind of like scope out your line and your features and stuff, and then do like a, a top to bottom run. And so I competed in, in free ride for, oh, probably five to six years. I did pretty well in that. Um, got invited to North American Championships pretty much every year I competed. So, yeah, and it was it was. I mean, it was at a time like it was. I, if you asked me when I was fourteen, I'd probably say I wanted to be a pro skier. Um, it was like that and bikes were pretty, were pretty tight, and uh, it just ended up going the biking way. Yeah, and so. How did that end up coming to pass? What kind of made you flip if you were saying at 14, you were imagining yourself as a pro skier? How do you end up going the other direction? Um, and it was more so, I guess, 2019. I had like a pretty, a pretty good year on the bike. Um, I was U17 that year. I was Canadian national champ and I won... I won every race I did that year. So that year was kind of a flip and like, oh, like I'm doing pretty well at this. Maybe I should just go all in and kind of focus on this for the next couple of years. And uh, that's kind of what I did. And that's that was the next year I got on the, the Canyon team. So that's kind of how everything kind of stepped up another level, you could say. Right. Okay. So you kind of just started having some success on the bike and things fell into place and that makes a lot of sense. It's just a logical trajectory there. You have an opportunity to open up and go for it. But is there a part of you that kind of misses competitive skiing still, or think you might want to come back to it at some point? Um, not really. I was pretty, uh, I was kind of at the time, like I was pretty into it, but now looking at the whole bike scene, um, 
I think it's even harder to make it as a pro skier these days. And um, I think if I was to go back to skiing, I'd probably just try to make more videos and do like more like the, the film side of it. Um, even though I did, I did enjoy the competing. I think it's just super hard to make an actual career out of it. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I went with the biking side. Fair enough. And I mean, sure seems like it's working out all right. So <laughs> that's, uh, you know, good to see it happening and looking forward to watching how things go next year. So this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on and best of luck with everything in 2023. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. All right, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And as always, we would really appreciate you leaving us a rating or review in the show notes to help keep the show going and growing. I would also like to say thank you to Jacob for the conversation, thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing the episode, and thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we'll be back again next week with a really good chat with the one and only Jeff Kabush. Bye, everybody.